0: a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is MANA. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of MANA, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet here on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living which is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm excited for you to meet them. Now, we've all heard of the term, or we've used the term, renaissance man, I'll bet, to describe someone who's got a wide range of interests, Um, but did you know where that term came from? It is named, and I just wiki'd this, guys, Uh, it's named after the renaissance period of history that produced talented and clever guys like Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo who kind of embodied that era, and then that's where the name came from. But I'm gonna tell you today's guest is a Renaissance man of action. Throughout the course of his adult life and uh, probably his childhood as we'll find out here today, uh, he has employed his abundance of God's gifts to full effect from corporate America to rural America, all around the world as an organizational and individual change agent, an entrepreneur, a thought leader, a speaker, I think a singer, a community activist, a preacher, a trusted advisor to both corporate and community organizations. He goes through life with a generous heart and a razor-sharp mind, exacting equal parts IQ and EQ to transform organizations, communities, and people. He is a uh, a bit of a Swiss army knife of uh, betterment, if you will. Uh, Whatever the field, whatever the need, whoever you are, our guest is either that guy or he knows the guy who can help. Uh, most importantly, though, as he would say, he's a father, he's a grandfather, he's a son, a child of God, and a brother in Christ, uh, who always tells it like it is, always, always, always. So, can I get an alleluia for today's man Mr. Reynolds Anthony Harris. Reynolds Anthony, welcome to MANA.
1: Thank you so much, Jeffrey. It's great to be here.
0: Well, I just, it just is so wonderful that you're here. And I kept it out of the intro, uh, but uh, for all of you, the MANA listeners, they need to know that for me personally, you have been one of those guys uh, in my life that you know has come in kind of episodically you know, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the years to either kind of course correct or, uh, or just kind of point me in a direction uh, that I need to be pointed in. And like I did mention in the intro, you do it in a way that's like, okay, here's what you're gonna do now, okay? <laughs> just like, this is how it's gonna go. And just trust me, this is, uh, and it is, and you've always been right. So um, and so that's kind of how I wanna start. I mean, we'll get back to your child and, and talk about sure, all that sure. kind of stuff. But you do have this great gift, uh, and I see it with other people as well, of just being this very trusted advisor to people where you just, okay, you, you're, you've got their best interests in mind and, and you point them on a path and, and they're like, okay, well, if that's, if that's what I'm going to do, how long has that always been part of you? Like, or when did you get this sense that you had this gift of connecting and sort of advising?
1: Well, I would say that, um, my grandmother, uh, told me that I had special gifts. Mm-hmm. I think I was six years old. I was organizing something in first grade. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the details, but, um, uh, she says, you know, you're really special. You've been gifted, and you need to use those gifts. I don't know what they all are, but you got a lot of them. And um, and so over the course of my growing up and, you know, on the college and other things, I have um, I sometimes resisted that because I sort of wanted to settle into one path, mm-hmm. and that's just not what God put me here for. Right. Um, uh, some people say, you know, you could have stayed at Pillsbury, or you could have stayed at this corporation, and um, and they were really just parts of the journey, mm-hmm. and that journey continues today. Sort of uh, it, this what what I call the the last great twenty to thirty years of your life, where you get to say, mm, I don't want to do that, I, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it uh, I've I've sort of known, and uh, and recently have really really come to realize. Um, that gift and how precious it is.
0: Yeah, You mentioned
1: how uh, um, it's, it's
0: been this um, uh, you haven't been it, it's not something that's been a static thing it, it's always been moving and, and I actually had this queued up it's like you're uh, walking right into the next question because I actually had this This uh, I was doing some reading I'm reading some uh, St. Augustine stuff right now which is really amazing that it was written so long ago and it's still so relevant and he writes that our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. And you are, in the best way, you are a restless person. You yes. know, you're constantly yes. kind of going. And, and, I'm, and, and not, to, not to be too much of a softball question here, quoting St. Augustine, but what fuels that? Is it faith? Is it, is it, is it role models? Is it, what, what, what drives that restlessness? Well,
1: um, I, I, I think God blessed me with an incredible intellect and a big heart, mm-hmm. I have both of those. Uh, not that intellect is different from the heart, but those are sort of interconnected. Um, I wrestle with the situations in the world. Um, things trouble me, uh, and I wanna do something about it. Mm-hmm. And I have, mm-hmm. uh, and as the young people say, I have the receipts, <laughs> uh, and those receipts, and I look back in them, it's like, you know, look, you know, the Jesuits do this sort of review of your life or consciousness, uh, your contents, review of contents, and you look at those receipts and say, yeah, I, I, I did that, you yeah. know? I had to do it because there was a need there. Um, so yeah, I would I would say that this is driven by my faith and I've been blessed with um an intellect that um, is a blessing. Mm-hmm. I didn't make it, it just is who I am. I know yeah. range of interests. Um, commitment to my family Um, and I I would say lastly the grounding of faith from my father and mother and my grandmother particularly Mary Ruth Reynolds who I'll just acknowledge because she's a saint of a woman an Mm -hmm. amazing person Um, uh, just freed me to accept myself uh, with the gifts I have been given and uh, not allow people to box me in or to interpret me through some diffusion of understanding, um, uh, it just it's just who I am mm-hmm. and uh, I've come to accept myself and love myself for that
0: yeah so you know the focus on on manna here is about men men of faith uh, the influence uh, positive influence that guys can have on each other when you dial back to growing up you know you talked about your grandma and your parents mm-hmm. who are some who are some guys along the way that that particularly stand out as role models for Well, you? I would say
1: my father mm-hmm. um, my father grew up in um, Atmore, Alabama. Uh, his mother uh, died when he was 18 years old, 18 months old, excuse me. Uh, she died from pneumonia because she couldn't get services at a hospital. So that influenced his life deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, he ran away or moved away at first at 16, and the army returned him when they found out he wasn't 18 and he came back and that he had quite a career. Um, couple points. On D-Day, you notice in the pictures, the servicemen are all white. When you see them coming to the beaches of Normandy, black soldiers were dropped behind enemy lines. My father was one of those people. Mm. Uh, and so the gracious passage through that war deeply influenced him. So, And then there were uh, neighbors, my uncles, uh, come from a family of of men that chose to uh, deal with the challenges of being black men um, by taking care of their families, having multiple jobs, um, not uh, not ac- accepting the circumstances but rather working with the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So um, my late father did a lot of things. He had his, he worked, he was in the army for 20 years. He then worked for another 20 years at the US post office. So he ended up with two pensions at the end of his life. Um, he also was a gardener. That's where I get my love for agriculture and gardening and farming, cause mm-hmm. farming in Alabama. Um, and um, I would say my pastor, um, during my middle school time, what really influenced me. Mm. I was a Lutheran at that point in my life, later I converted to Catholicism. But um, uh, Pastor Hobbick, uh, Zion Lutheran Church in Toledo, Ohio, we'll just send out praise <laughs> to them. Pastor Hobbick realized that I did have an intellect. So yeah. um, we lived in Germany until I was, I think, Kindergarten first great time refrain, but um, because my father was stationed there. And so Pastor Habeck helped me reconnect with my German because I could speak German pretty well. And so here I am, eight, you know, I'm a teenager and uh, he is pushing me and teaching me Hebrew because I would just go over to the church and hang out. Mm-hmm. And he actually helped me think through an idea I had. And I created the first youth group at Zion Lutheran Church oh, cool. in Toledo, uh, and it was um, you know multiracial church. And this is you know we're talking this is the '60s, um, and he really influenced me on the study of text and context from a biblical standpoint. So uh, we were talking earlier before we got on this morning about text and context, and at that point, that's when I really wondered if I had a calling. Uh, to ministry uh, and I sort of explored that for several years along with some other interests because I love science I love literature and um, I felt that the ministry would box me in so I took what I learned and have used that in yeah. my life every day but yes, Pastor Hobbick and then I'll tell you one more man uh, his name was Mr. Roundtree and Mr. Roundtree was a neighbor and uh, Mr. Roundtree um had this electric lawnmower and I'm 13 years old and I have a lawnmower cause I have a lawn business. I, I, I was an entrepreneur at like eight, nine. And, um, I remember one day I was cutting someone's grass and I was on my way home and I saw this man in his yard and he had this electric lawnmower. I thought it was so cool. It's high technology. And, um, so my personality as a kid is I went up to him and said, sir, my name is, Reynolds, Anthony Harris, Mm -hmm. I'm a neighbor. Can I use your more? I love your more. (laughs) (laughs) And from that day until 1986, when God called him home, he he was like a second father. Mm -hmm. I worked for him in his um, janitorial cleaning business. And what you should know, Jeff, um, people often say I'm a pretty good negotiator. Mm -hmm. Well, I learned negotiation from Mr. Roundtree. Mm -hmm. So when he would negotiate his contract for cleaning a building, He would say, uh, boy, come with me. Now keep your mouth shut and just listen, watch this. (laughs) And here you have this black man in the mid 60s with these executives in Toledo negotiating the price for cleaning their building. And then he would say, your job is to clean these offices because one day, I just want you to think about, one day you'll be in one of those offices. And one of the big blessings was, one of those big blessings was um, the uh, opportunity to do what the Chinese call is set an imprint with the child. The imprint for me is that I'm cleaning and dusting, but one day I'm going to be sitting in that desk. Uh-huh. And God uh, gave me uh, – I was able to take the blessing, and at the point of time when I had my first sort of executive role, and I actually had an office in Boston with <laughs> digital equipment – I invited Mr. Bounty and his wife to come to oh, Boston, that's so cool. and I said I have a big surprise for you. And they didn't know they, you know, they came to this building, and my assistant came and got them, and uh, and I just uh, came into the office and you know had art and nice things, and and I said. Well, you did tell me one day I could have a cushion. You said a cushioned office. <laughs> I know what a cushioned office was, I said, but at the time, when I got to it, I said, oh, you should know I have a cushioned office. And both of them were just crying. Oh, uh, it was just great. So and they, cool. You know, they, they watched me graduate from college. Sure. They were there. Um, they got to meet Alex Haley. I, I, I will say one of the biggest mm. things in my life was the opportunity to invite Alex Haley before wow. Roots was uh, Roots was just in Reader's Digest. And based on that reading, we invited him to be our commencement speaker. At Capital University in Columbus, Ohio, the senior class president, which is one of the, Mm. uh, I was senior class president, and the president of the university sort of negotiated who the commencement speaker would be and we invited them together. So the president and the president class. And um, I should say for fun, that uh, our list was Jane Fonda was our first choice, <laughs> and uh, I th- I think it was uh, we didn't get to Alex Haley until we had run out of the first three people, which wow. he didn't like. Wow. Uh, well, Jane Fonda was not going to happen, but yeah. it was you know it was the seventy nineteen seventy seventy one, and uh, excuse me nineteen seventy five, and um, uh, we he, he said you know have you what do you think about this guy in the Swedish digest read this yeah. and so I read Alex Haley obviously he had written a, you know Malcolm X piece and it was so moving and um, so to have Mr. Roundtree who grew up in Mississippi who made his way had his own business in Toledo did well to be able to introduce my mentor to Alex Haley hmm. on the Great. day of my graduation, oh my gosh, was um, one of those moments in your life, divine, for yeah. Sure. yeah. And so I learned a lot about being a man from him. You know, obviously your dad, but then when you have other men in your mm-hmm. life, that um, you know, I, you know, I learned uh, the, the basis of good management, how to read people, how to cut to the chase. So if someone's not working out, mm-hmm. they're not working out. Um, I remember high school. You know, I'd come, I'd work a couple of nights and then, you know, he sometimes would call me and say, are you done with your homework? Because somebody didn't show up. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, my homework's done. He says, I'm coming to get you. And uh, we would talk and he said, this is what happens in companies. You have people that don't show up and you don't need to spend any time with it. Don't mess around. And that's my philosophy today, too.
0: Fantastic. I love that. I love the. I love the story, the influence, and how it just—it really does those early
1: influences. Shape and he us, was a you know. major, and he was a man of faith. He and his wife, and so, but they were Baptists. So I, here I am. I have the sort of Lutheran thing going on mm-hmm. in my family mm-hmm. and my child. And then there's I got good Mississippi Baptist training okay. too. Yeah. So uh, I, I thank God for him. Um, Mr. Roundtree and Mrs. Roundtree. Yeah. Well, God and you, you just them. led
0: your life, and I think that's what people—that's why people are continually attracted to you—is you've led a life where you absorb everything. You know, you take everything in, and and then it's almost like you bank everything, so that then when you're meeting all these different people, all these different organizations all around the world, you're able to draw on. It's like you've got this Rolodex of, of ideas and connections and experiences that you just— and it's because you've led—you've lived a life of just constant intake. You know, you're t- taking everything in so then they can, can kind of come back out. I think that's just—
1: I, You know, I would say—thank you for that. But I would say that um, God is always with me. I, I've never felt—not felt the presence mm-hmm. of God when I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night— Even as a young child, Um, and as you know, even even in the craziness of being an adolescent and going to college, Mm -hmm. I just always felt God's presence in some way, guiding me or nudging me. And but I also came to know and appreciate the God in others. Mm. And I've done enough work um, uh, with my spirituality, which is one of the areas of study, but also of my experience of being in the world and being present in the world. And one of uh, one pilgrimage I did, which was the El Camino de Capicella, um, uh, the Way of St. James, for those who don't mm-hmm. know, it's a, you, you do a pilgrimage across Northern Spain to the shrine of St. James, the brother Jesus. But one of the um, things that someone told me to do was that imagine on your way on this pilgrimage, from the time you get on the plane in Minneapolis to fly to Paris, that every human being that you encounter has a message from God for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: And um, I took that to heart. And I'm uh, about to do a deep retreat here in a few, couple weeks. And uh, I'm going to review my journals from the first trip and the oh. second trip because I made notations. About what I thought those messages were, yeah. and particularly my interaction with Islam, which was interesting, because yeah. it was a Christian pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. But on the way, I encountered Islam, um, and and I have have a deeper sensitivity and understanding of that. And as you know, the 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 Moors ruled Spain for over eight hundred years, yeah. and so it was helpful for me to be to understand and yeah. learn that piece as well.
0: Oh, amazing. Oh my gosh, we could we could talk all day, um, and I've said that before with guests, but I literally mean that we can't talk all day here um, because I just looked down and I think we're running out of tape. Oh my, <laughs> so we are. Oh dear. So we're gonna do a little. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna this, so we have our, our, our the last segment, and there's so much more I want to talk to you about with all the work you've done with social justice and everything. But we're gonna cut to the fun segment. Of the show here, uh, mm. where we ask the same three questions okay. of every guest. Oh. Now, usually, this isn't done in a speed round, but we've got about five minutes left, right. so so it'll be a little bit uh, more brisk uh, than others. So, right. uh, but you'll love these questions. Uh, so, the first question uh, in our fun segment is: If Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow morning and just wanted to
1: hang out for the day, okay, you got a whole
0: day. No agenda other than whatever you
1: want to do with Jesus. What are you going to do with Jesus? Oh, my first response was, well, let's do this. <laughs> uh, and the second response was, so where do we start? Mm-hmm. Um, I care deeply about children in the state of Minnesota, but the world, I would say. But since Jesus is knocking my door in Minneapolis, yep. I'd say, let me take you on um, to show you uh, where we're struggling. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're struggling around hunger and food security. And, um, and then I would want Jesus to see the joy um, that our children are somehow are able to uh, st- still live in joy, mm-hmm. given some of our challenges. So yeah, I'd say let's do this. And I wanna show you the lakes. I wanna show you Northern Minnesota. I wanna show you the beauty of the Father's creation that's in this state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want you to um, bless the soil because the soil in our state is, we have some contamination issues, Mm -hmm. but we're going to work that out, fix it. So yeah. Good. I love it. All right. Fun segment question number two. Uh,
0: If you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, famous or not, you can know him or not, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you're going to church Mm -hmm. and it's got to be with another guy. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to go to church with?
1: Wow. Barack Obama mm-hmm. and because I was so curious uh, about his spiritual journey and how and and where he sort of landed. and as a biracial man since I have biracial children and grandchildren um, I, I would want to really be present with him mm-hmm. uh, around uh, what does it mean to be a, a man of faith? Um, but yeah, Barack Obama mm-hmm. would That's be great. my choice.
0: Awesome. All right, fun segment question number three. Uh, and you don't have to totally rush it. It looks like we got about four minutes left to tape here. So. <laughs> and this is good. But this one will be a challenge because you've, you've, again, lived and led a life of doing this, I think, your whole life, which is, uh, which is giving counsel. And mm-hmm. so this last question is if you could give one piece of advice to a younger man about living a confident life of faith? Mm -hmm. What would that one piece of advice be?
1: Pray a lot. And what I mean by that is not necessarily in the... You could be traditional prayer, obviously, but pray with your whole body. Mm. Um, Spend time in nature. Um, Take time to seclude yourself because you have to quiet down often in that, that work of prayer, which is, I say is a kinesthetic action as well, Mm -hmm. Um, walking prayer, um, sitting prayer, silent prayer. But that would be my advice. Pray a lot and listen.
0: Love it. Uh, Reynolds, Anthony Harris, thank you so much for being here. And uh, even though you're here on uh, season five, I think we'll have to get you back for season six
1: I to, keep, be, to keep going. I, w- I would love this, <laughs> and I really like what you're doing, so thank you so much. Thank you. thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at com.